Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. <laughs> nice person, I mean, I think. <laughs> nice person. I think yeah. that's, that's up to us, really. <laughs> as nice as the new Leeds crest. Yeah. Oh, Jeez. I love it. That's, that's not nothing else. It's not a compliment. I can't get over it. What were they thinking? They weren't. They asked 10,000 people. 10,000 people said this was 10, a cool 10,000 Manchester United and Huddersfield Town fans <laughs> thought that Leeds should adopt that as their badge, I imagine. And Leeds have a history of good budgets. Although I'm not a fan of the... As big, as big a fan as the of the previous one. No, but, but the, the, the early nineties, the, yeah, the late eighties, early nineties with the big white rose. Yeah, the circular rosette type of thing they had going uh, on. Yeah, I I get the impression we won't be seeing this badge for a really long time. That it will be scrapped what before too long. What were we? What did we see that there was already a petition to stop it? Yeah, and they. They revealed the badge at 12.02, and by 1.02, a petition to cancel, to scrap the new badge, had 4,000 signatures. Nice. Including mine. Including yours. Yeah. As a big Leeds fan as you are. Yeah, well, maybe not. Anyway, enough of that. Joining me, Ian McCord, on today's One Football Podcast is Lewis Ambrose. Hello. Andrea Agostinelli. Hello. And, get ready for this, India, <laughs> and having to hold her own mic, it's Emily Rauschitz. Hello, hello. Yes, unfortunately, producer Demo couldn't find a mic stand and now Emily is forced to hold her own mic for the entire podcast. It's all right. I'm a strong, independent woman. Yeah. The usual email if you want to get in touch is podcast at onefootball.com. Get all your questions in there. Or should you wish, you can get onto iTunes, give the pod a rating and let us know how you think we're getting on. Okay, finally, it's all done. It's over. It's complete. The two clubs have what they want and Matt Target has his move from Southampton to Fulham. In other less impressive transfer news, some lad who plays piano and calls himself Alexis Sanchez has moved to Manchester United with Henrik Mkhitaryan moving in the other direction. A lot of people are out there wondering who got the better deal on this one. So who did get the better deal? Uh, it's hard to say. I, Man United are spending, I guess the, the popular opinion would be that Alexis Sanchez is the better player and Man United got the better deal. So I'm going to take the opposite position. Go for it. Um Alexis Sanchez is 29. He relies fairly significantly on his athletic ability, his quick bursts, his stamina. Um, those things will quite quickly fade over the next two or three years, and they will still be paying a 33-year-old version of Alexis Sanchez half a million pounds a week, reportedly, well, um, well. four years from now. That is reportedly his Manchester United wage. Half a million a week. Half a million pounds a week for a yeah for, for not just now but when he's thirty three as well. Um, all for a player. So they've I think in total there's signing on fees, there's agent fees, there I think signing on fee of twenty million, ten to fifteen million pounds has gone to his agent. Um, all in all, they've sunk an enormous amount of money. He's now the fourth highest paid player in the world into a guy who was available for nothing just four months down the line. So Arsenal, on the other hand, I think in this market especially, we can probably value Henrik Mkhitaryan with a two and a half years left on his Manchester United contract as a 30, 35 million pound player. And Arsenal have signed him in exchange for a player they would have lost for absolutely nothing. Two weeks from now, Alexis Sanchez would have been worthless. His contract would have meant nothing to Arsenal anymore. Um I don't think that's a bad deal at all. Mkhitaryan, though, slightly worried that 
Well, we definitely didn't see the best of him at Manchester United, let's say. No, we didn't. I'm slightly worried. Will he fit in? Uh, Arsenal when he gets to play more is that more of his is that more his style I think it's definitely more his style some fluidity going forward quick passing moves what we associate with Arsenal even though we haven't seen it necessarily so much from Arsenal the last couple of years playing with Mesut Ozil playing with possibly Alexander Awobi Jack Wilshere and Aaron Ramsey alongside him in midfield I think Arsenal is a much better fit for Mkhitaryan as a player and I also think his Man United time was not what it was at Dortmund. His last season at Dortmund, he scored 23 goals and assisted 26 goals, which is out oh, of this world. That's phenomenal. Um, so I think his Man United career wasn't as bad as people think it was. It just wasn't as good as he was at Dortmund. Uh, he got a goal or assist every 170 minutes at Manchester United when he actually got on the pitch, which is not... Bad by any stretch of the imagination. You think extrapolate that over a forty-game season, and that's twenty goals and assists. That's pretty good for an attacking midfielder. He'll certainly get on better with Aaron Ramsey. <laughs> yeah, Alex, Alexis, Alexis, Alexis Sanchez, Sanchez and Aaron Ramsey did not like each other. No. Are you with Lewis on this one? Gotta say yes. Also, I have to say this: I like Arsenal, but they're not winning any titles this season. So I didn't see the need to hold on to Alexis for another half season. So you think they're getting the better deal? I think they're definitely getting the better deal, yeah. The dogs are already in Manchester United jerseys. Apparently so. What are their names again? Uh, Atom and Humber. Atom and Humber. They're gorgeous dogs also. <laughs> they are very nice dogs. Expensive dogs. Andrea? I think that United got the better deal. Yes, that's <laughs> what I want to hear. Yeah, because they get, they get rid of a player they will never be able to sell. Because the Mkhitaryan still got two years and a half contract, they tried to sell it to to Inter, but actually they wanted too much money. So I think that they got the better deal on immediately. But I think that Sanchez did did not get the better deal. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, oh. I think he should have waited six months and see which clubs would have come to him, and then he could bargain for more money. Yeah, because half a million a week is just not <laughs> enough. Nah. I, I mean, the, the the point is that he wants to win. I'm not sure how much he's going to win at United. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe maybe a Champions League? And he's not going to the World Cup either, so... Well, he does need a summer off, that is true. That no, would be no jokes about not going to the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> he says to the Austrian. <laughs> well, yeah, n- none of us in here can really brag, except you, Lewis. Uh, well. I wouldn't brag about the English national team. I, I don't have much feeling for the English national team, <laughs> so... Um, okay, so we're sort of split on that one. Myself and Andrea are on the Alexis bandwagon. You, you guys are going to stick with Mkhitaryan. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how it pans out. I, I think ultimately nobody's lost in this deal. No. Mkhitaryan's got out of a club that didn't want him. Alexis Sanchez has got his big, big wage increase and a move to a club more likely to win big things. Man United have got a great player and Arsenal have got a pretty good deal for a player they were going to lose for nothing. Yeah. Well, I would argue that Martial isn't all too happy about it. <laughs> yeah, OK, maybe. Or Juan Mata might not be too happy either. Any other transfers or potential transfers that have caught the eye this week? Yeah, can Obama Young finally leave Dortmund, please, for the love of God? Yeah, <laughs> that will be great when he hooks up with Mkhitaryan. That that's going to be special, I think. That's not that close though; it's still a few steps away. 
I wouldn't know. Oh, yeah, it sounds like <laughs> Arsenal are talking to Dortmund about the fee. Dortmund wants 70 million. Arsenal originally bid 50. I think it's up to 58 million euros. Now, they, Arsenal know that Dortmund are willing to sell him, so they're not just going to jump in with the asking price. And there might be some complications around Olivier Giroud if he's part uh, of the deal and if he goes on loan or a permanent move. Mm-hmm. So we might have to wait a few more days on that. Okay, that's enough transfer talk for now. Yes. We have a question in from a listener. Hello, One Football Podcast. Cheers, Sebastian Bracken. Seeing as Leon beat PSG 2 1 with a sublime 94 minute goal from Memphis, did you see this? Yeah. It was gorgeous. <laughs> that was nice. The gap has now been closed to eight points from first to second in the league. And with players like Neymar, Thiago Silva, and Mbappe out with injuries for PSG, could the first place spot be snatched from PSG? If so, who will be the team to take it? No. Oh. Well, that's pretty. Short? <coughs> Not uh, a hope. No, I, PSG are too strong to drop points in. They'll, they'll drop some points. They're not going to win every game between now and the end of the season. But the squad and the team, even without Neymar, without Di Maria or whoever's missing at any given point, they're too strong to drop eight points more than Lyon dropped between now and the end of the season. Fun fact about that game Go on. is Lyon's opening goal, Nabil Fakir's free kick, was the quickest goal PSG have conceded in a league game for over 10 years and Memphis Depay was the latest goal they've conceded in over 8 years or over 7 years that is a fun fact yeah it is thank you very much for that you're welcome all goals in that game were just gorgeous I think all of those were title worthy yeah they were poor positioning though by the PSG keeper just saying what hits me about PSG is though that they don't it doesn't seem like they're hungry enough to win a bunch of titles. They were hyped up so much. And you look at teams like Man City and Barca, they're not dropping points in La Liga. Yeah. They haven't even, you know, at least Barca hasn't even lost a game in La Liga. And then there's PSG, they've lost twice. And they just didn't look as if they really wanted to win every game. They look as if they're going out to the games, giving like 50%, maybe 70 Then Neymar's like, yeah, I'm going to score a couple now. And, you know, he turns up his motors and so does Mbappé. And then they've scored their goals and they go home and it's like... Neymar's like, ah, I want to rest for a week now. I'm going to have a thigh injury or something. (laughs) Well, this, yeah, this ties into my next question is that I was going to say, I noticed that Neymar missed the game at the weekend. He's obviously out of the game tonight. He picked up a muscle injury, apparently, uh, which means he's yet to play more than five league games in a row since arriving in France. That would suggest to me he's... Spoiled. uh, Not that interested is what I was going to say. Disinterested. I think it's the old point coming to going to Paris Saint-Germain. Just be the star. Can do whatever he wants. I. That's true. Yeah. Is he doing whatever he wants? I. I wouldn't go as far as saying he's not interested. He has twenty-four goals and fourteen assists in his twenty-three games. Myself and Emily could do that between us. Yeah, I'm sure you could. Um, I'm not doubting that for a second. Yeah. I and six and six in the Champions League group stage as well. He's when he's on the pitch, he's performing. Um, and the games he's missed, if PSG lose a few games, it doesn't actually matter, unfortunately. I think it might be a not a Neymar thing, but uh, with the clubs Emily's mentioned, a mentality thing, the leagues and the clubs. PSG, no, they will almost definitely win Liga. Barcelona, there's... Uh, now there's a possibility of an unbeaten season ahead of them but Barcelona know if they slip up in La Liga usually it's not the case this year uh, Real Madrid uh, Atletico Madrid now Valencia they will take advantage and Manchester City know that in the Premier League if they slip up for two or three weeks in a row mm. then Tottenham or Liverpool or Man United or Chelsea will sniff blood and it's not the case in France and I think one of the things 
that's worrying for PSG moving forward is we saw we've seen that in the Bundesliga, especially when by when Pep Guardiola was at Bayern Munich, they would get to Champions League quarterfinals and then semi-finals, but they'd want, they'd wrap the league up a month before the semi-final and took their foot off the gas. And if PSG are not completely on it week in week out, they're going to get to the Champions League and it's hard to just turn it on suddenly. Word of warning to all of you about the Real Madrid PSG game. It takes place on Valentine's night. You might want to start thinking up excuses. Just saying. I think I have to work that day. Ooh. I don't, and I think I'll be fine watching it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's that's probably enough PSG talk. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that game. That's going to be good. Anyway, back to, we have you two here, Lewis and Emily. So let's have a maybe a bit of a Bundesliga chat. And where I want to start is with Leon Goretzka. He's gone, gone, gone. And the Schalke fans, they're not too happy about it. I mean, they've been rough. They've had these banners in the stadium kind of basically telling him to F off. You know, they've shown up to training, whistling at him. They booed at him when he was subbed off. And thank God Tedesco had the the mind to take Gretzka off in that game because he he wasn't fully in it and the fans were giving him a really hard time. And I think it's really, really harsh. Because to ask Ooh. a young German national team player to not go to Bayern Munich on a free transfer, earn more money, win titles, and compete with the best teams in Europe, I think that's asking a lot. What interests me about this is who has the time to turn up at a team's training and abuse them? I don't have time to go up to a team's training and say, hey. I also don't have the energy for that. That's exhausting. It is a bit. Lewis Harsh? Uh, yes and no. I, Emily's point about him going to win titles and, and money, he had offers from Real Madrid and Barcelona and Liverpool and Manchester United, and I think there are titles and money on offer at those clubs as well. He didn't have to go to Bayern Munich. Um, I think one p- thing that needs to be pointed out is he's not a Schalke boy. He's not born and bred. Like He came from Bochum a few years ago. The, the, who have an amazing youth system uh, playing the German second division. But he, this isn't a enormous product of the Schalke Academy that's then, you know, always said he's always going to be a Schalke player and a lifelong fan and stuff. So I think you'd have more sympathy for that Schalke if it was that situation. And ultimately, it's hard to blame him. It is hard to blame him going to Bayern Munich because he is going to win things. He is going to have huge amounts of money. And he's the future of the the German national team midfield. So yeah, I think Michael Balak quite almost famously were kind of wanting to move to Real Madrid when he left Bayer Leverkusen and his agent sort of turned around and was like, no, you're going to Bayern Munich because that's what the best German player does. Uh, and and uh, off he went. And he did. Yeah. <laughs> he did go off to Bayern Munich until they didn't really need him anymore. Is yeah, he also, the, sorry, go ahead. No, also the role he's going to take there. I mean, um, one of the best Bayern midfields that I can remember was with Bastian Schweinsteiger and um, Martinez in midfield. And I see Goretzka tying into that really nicely because Goretzka is super versatile. He can play in a six position, an eight, on a ten. He can be a t- more attacking. He can hold back a little bit. And with Bayern, he can do exactly that. He has, a, he has a talent and the speed around him to play his favorite type of football. I mean, everywhere else he'd probably have to adapt a lot to the team that he's coming into, whereas Bayern already seems like a really good fit for the type of player that Goretzka is. I did enjoy, speaking of Bayern, I did enjoy Mats Hummels complaining about the lack of competition in the Bundesliga. Yeah, there are situations when I think football players should just not speak instead of 
Same I'm things. I'm obviously biased on this, but uh, Matt Summers' final season at Borussia Dortmund was the highest tally of any second-place team in the history of German football. And Matt Summers is now complaining that there aren't second- or third-place teams picking off enough points. So I think the level of self-awareness is beyond belief. <laughs> so the Bundesliga title is over and done with, but there's still plenty to talk about at the other end of the league, especially when it comes to the bottom two sides of Cologne and Hamburg. Should we start with Cologne, Emily? They looked dead and buried a few weeks ago. Cologne were dead. The mathematicians were coming out being like, oh, they have to win like basically every game. I remember I was talking in the newsroom about that. And now they had two wins and suddenly they're the surprise team again. And the truth is probably somewhere in between. Um, but one thing that has to be said is they were just also really unlucky in the first half of the season. They had a lot of injuries. They had a lot of shots similar to what Luis said in last week's podcast about Real Madrid. They just had a lot of shots that didn't go on target or didn't cross the line. Um, and those shots have been going in in the two games so far, and we're going to see if that if that kind of stays like that in the next games. And then they've lined up with Simon Terode, who has had a hell of a year as well. First, he was, you know, the hero in Stuttgart. He scored a lot of goals in the second division. And then this season, he's just not been at the top of his game. Um, and it feels like those two just combine and we're like, now we're going to show the Bundesliga that we have what it takes to stay up here. And they're trying. <laughs> trying. Are they going to do it? I, <laughs> okay. I really have time saying that. Uh, uh, yeah. It, it can all change so quickly. We've seen two wins in the second half of the season, but now three wins in a row mm-hmm. after not winning any of their first 16 games. If they were to win three in a row, like, you know, maybe they don't win it for another couple and then they win three in a row again and they'll be fine. They'll they'll be pretty much, like, on the edge of the relegation zone suddenly. Um, whereas if they now lose five in a row, like they did in the, the first half of the season, they're right back where they started. So... And the it, other thing is other teams have to so drop quickly. points as well for them to switch places. I mean, Hamburg, Hamburg might help them a little bit in staying down, but, you know, there's more teams that get relegated, so... It's going to be a Bernd tough Hollerbach one. is now in charge of Hamburg. And apparently he's super strict. Reminds me of that Gwen Stefani stuff. Sing it, come on. Wow. No, let's not Are do you going to put it in the podcast? We're not going to do that. No. Um, it's a shame. It is a shame. Is this the year? We say this every season. I've every said- time we do a podcast, we say, is this the year? Is this the year that Hamburg finally go down? It's not, is it? No, I said it before the season. <laughs> I think this is the year that they go down. I said that before and during each of the last four seasons, so I feel like I can't say it this season. I've I've convinced myself that they're never going to get relegated, no matter how bad they are. The difference this year is that almost all their hopes are being pinned on a (laughs) 17-year-old, Jan Fita Arp, who's been linked with moves to Bayern and Chelsea and Tottenham already. Uh, Outstanding young striker, but he's 17 years old, and if they're going to rely on him for goals, they're in trouble. We're going to talk League of Nations... League of Nations? Is it called Nations League? League. Nations League in a moment. Um, We're going to talk some Serie A, but quickly I want to hear that story about the Dortmund scarf. Yeah, so Borussia Dortmund have today, on Wednesday, released a scarf on the club website. You can type in your own name. How lovely is that? And have your own name on the scarf. Um... (laughs) There are things you can't type in. Uh, they do not include the the German equivalents of motherfucker and son of a bitch. They're allowed. You can't type Schalke in. Then it comes up with stars because Dortmund do not like Schalke. Or SO4. 
Well, yeah, or S04, the abbreviation usually used for... And then you enlightened me to something else about the use of... Yeah, so Dortmund, on social media, they don't use the number four, they use three plus one. And uh, there was, here in Berlin, actually, a cup final a year ago, two years ago, the cup final. Dortmund had a a fan centre and there were raffles and things going on and you had to type in your raffle number to a computer and you might win a prize. And even the computer had the the numbers one, (laughs) two, three plus one, five, Six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, yeah, they do not like Schalke. Okay. But this is on the same day where the Schalke esports team travels to Barcelona with Eurowings, oh, yeah. gets yeah. to the airport, board, wants to board the plane, walks up to the plane, and it's the Dortmund team Airbus. <gasps> Yeah, you're, no way. Yeah. So you're, that is brilliant. Eurowings in Dortmund have a cooperation. Eurowings fly Dortmund to all their games, and there is a plane that is plastered with Borussia Dortmund stuff. So the funny thing was they posted it on Twitter and they were like, are you serious, Eurowings? <laughs> and Eurowing goes, don't worry, inside we're all blue, our uniform and all of that. <laughs> nice. So today, Wednesday, saw the inaugural draw for the UEFA Nations League, which will be coming to a screen near you very, very soon. It's an extraordinarily complicated competition. So it's lucky we have an expert in the shape of you, Lewis Ambrose. Who can explain it to everybody how it works? Expert. Go for it. Okay. Um, So, UEFA have come up with a new competition because we needed one. Yeah. There are every, all 55 UEFA licensed national teams are involved. They are separated into four different leagues and each league contains four groups. I'm with you so far. Thank you. That's very, very lucky because I'm not sure I'm with myself. Uh, so there will be each in each group each team will play each other home and away eventually we'll have a winner uh, these games will take place in place of international friendlies where we usually would have had international friendlies and also the qualifiers for Euro 2020 have been pushed slightly to make room so yeah there will be home and away games if you finish top of your group, you are promoted to the league above. And if you finish bottom of your group, you are relegated to the league below. Okay. Uh, and in League A, the four group winners, League A obviously contains the likes of England and Germany and Spain, obviously England. It contains the likes of Spain and Germany. Um, so the winners of League A will play semi-finals and then a final to figure out who wins the UEFA Nations League. And it's a very, very nice new trophy. That's pretty simple. That's really not that complicated. It is, which is why they added more. What? (laughs) (laughs) There's more? (laughs) Leave it at that and I've got it. There's more. Okay, Um, go. So usually we have, uh, we just had Euro 2016 qualifying, uh, sorry, uh, World Cup qualifying. Next will be Euro 2020 qualifying. And we usually have all the European teams seeded in groups. So you have some strong teams and some not so strong teams and the Netherlands somewhere in the middle in each Mm -hmm. group. And a team will go through to the final competition and one team finishing second will go into the playoffs. The playoffs don't exist anymore. If you do not qualify for Euro 2020, but won your Nations League group, you now go into the playoffs. And if you won your Nations League group and did qualify for Euro 2020, the next ranked team takes your place and goes into the playoffs for a space at Euro 2020. So that'll be the semi-finals are split and the final are split. So we'll have four teams from League A or League B if there's a a, a trickle-down effect. 
uh, four teams from League C and four from League D. So one of the likes of Andorra and Moldova and Liechtenstein are guaranteed mm. to have a place at Euro 2020. Fantastic. See, they should have rolled you out to explain this because now I get it. I, the other, really? the, you two look a bit bemused, but I, I get it now. <laughs> I think I've read this like 50 times in the space of the last 48 hours. So they're basically, they're basically replacing existing international dates with competitive games instead of friendlies that's, and with promotion and relegation yeah, that's good that's more or less the gist of it so England yeah. were drawn today for example against Spain and Croatia Germany against France and the Netherlands tasty um, so we should yeah I mean those teams often play each other in international friendly breaks anyway so I don't know how much new is actually going on here we just will see less well it's just that it's competitive now that's more well yeah it's yeah. competitive um, and there's there the plans have been mooted of eventually possibly rolling this out and replacing World Cup and Euro qualifiers completely. So Ooh. we have this league system to to boost yourself up the rankings and maybe qualify for the World I Cup. I just wonder if it's smart to let someone from League D qualify for the World Cup and probably lose all games and yeah, I, th- that's you've got to give the small sides so a chance. Andorra on, and some hope. I, I personally, I we all get fed up during international breaks and when England are playing San Marino or Liechtenstein or Moldova. I love it. I feel like it's time off. <laughs> well, maybe for you. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, those those nations... like We've seen a lot of nations in all sports, actually, in, in cricket. Uh, mm. Bangladesh have come a long way by, by being battered over and over again by yeah. the likes of South Africa and England. Uh, and in rugby as well, Italy and France are getting better and better because they play in the Six Nations and I I wonder if I th- countries like San Marino, Liechtenstein the population is probably too small but Kosovo and Moldova like they I think they need to play the big teams. They need those experiences. They need to develop football in their country. They and better I think start winning their groups. I think it's a promotion. bit sad if that's taken away from them. Well anyway, that's that. That's pretty simple. I've got yeah. it. <laughs> right. Let's talk some Serie A then, that we've, okay. we've boiled that down to uh, to that. Uh, there's something I want to know, Andrea. Yeah. And I hope you're going to be able to give me the answer. Of course. Or the right answer. <laughs> Are Napoli going to win the league? Come on. We, we know. Give me what I want here. Yes. Yes! <laughs> I, I no, mean, but seriously, can Napoli win the league? Yeah, it seems so because they... They're more uh, stronger than past years, but not technically, just uh, on a mental level. Oh, that's interesting. That they won against against Atalanta on Sunday, mm-hmm. and it felt like they shouldn't won win that game. So it's going back to what we talk about uh, Paris Saint Germain. They won matches they should have not won, and that's something that just big teams do. So uh, it seems so that now they will be able to get back um, Milik and Gulam, mm-hmm. and that's a key factor. They don't care anything about the Europa League, so I will. <laughs> oh, they're not interested in Europa no, League. No, no. I mean, no. they they were a little bit interested in Champions League, but they got eliminated. So right now, I don't think that they will go. Uh, I mean, they will go to like, against Leipzig and they will play, but I will not be shocked if they were eliminated. Okay, uh, that's all. The fans won't care too much about that. No, no, no. The, um, there was like uh, the match against Shakhtar Donetsk that was crucial for Champions League. There was like uh, 13,000 people at the stadium. Oh, right. On on Sunday against Sassuolo, there, there was a sold out. For Sassuolo. <laughs> for Sassuolo. <laughs> wow. No, people won't that in Napoli because uh, it's um, 
they've been a winning team just back in the time with Maradona. Yeah. So right now it will be crazy for them to winning Scudetto. In 10 years, they went from bankruptcy to compete at top level in the Serie A Champions League. So it will be a dream uh, come true. But on the other side, the strongest team is Juventus. <gasps> Let's talk about Juventus in a second. But one thing, uh, in when Napoli last won the league was 1986. I want to say uh, no, eighty nine, probably later. Eighty nine, eighty nine. But there was there was graffiti on the wall of the graveyards that said, "You don't know what you missed." Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. There, yeah, yeah. It's insane. Yeah, I, I mean, it, my kind of people. Yeah. I mean, if if you think right now, you you will never be able to imagine. Uh, I don't know Messi going to just say Stoke. Yeah. Or uh, or Leeds and winning the the Premier League and then winning the the Europa League. It's crazy, yeah. Because then, then it never happened before. It never happened again. And there was an upsurge in babies being named Maradona, <laughs> not Diego. No, Diego Armando. Oh, was it Diego Armando? That's uh, why. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I remember that. I really uh, left when I heard that Contento, former fullback <laughs> for Bayern Monaco, is called Diego Armando Contento. <laughs> 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 I was just went crazy about that. But well, tell, tell us about Juventus then. Uh, they passed the first months try to. Uh, find the, the right balance and now they got it. Uh, they are able to switch uh, from a back three to a back four, a uh, line three in, in the attack uh, to uh, two with uh, Dybala playing at ten. So they sweep and every in every match they got on the bench two between Douglas Costa, Bernardeschi, Mandzukic, uh, Dybala. It felt like they always have a solution to win. They also have Wojciech Szczesny, who yeah. is a terrific goalkeeper. It turns out he is. Yeah. No, and, and now he is the probably one of the two best goalkeepers uh, in Serie A. He, he will be and the best in Turin. Yeah, <laughs> you, you laughed at me last year when I told you Juventus wanted Wojciech Szczesny. I did, and he's, I, yeah. I've always been an enormous I'm, fan of him. He, he will take the crown one uh, while Buffon is gone. He will be the the starter. So. The Juventus have the strength and depth for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think. but. They got another obsession, and it's Champions League. <laughs> so I think that if they are going to win Scudetto, they get to pass Napoli this month. Because otherwise, I think that Napoli will get a little bit stronger. And if you went to uh, pass the, the last 16, it will start focus more on Champions League than on uh, Serie A. So if Napoli are to win the league, we need Juventus to knock Tottenham out of the Champions League. Yeah, in some way, yes, <laughs> yeah. you could say that. I have to say that I'm not a Juventus fan, but watching them lose a final last year, even for me, was kind of heartbreaking. I did feel sorry for them. Yeah, uh, it is transfer window time. Yeah, at the moment, um, which leads me to Eden Zeko. Okay, Roma are struggling for goals. Just yeah. 31 so far, the lowest yeah. of any of the top five teams. Yeah. So why are they selling Eden Zeko? Uh, just, just think of this deal in that way. You are the boss of a team and your striker is turning 32 on March. And then a Premier League team comes to you just say, I got 40 million pounds for this player that <laughs> you bought for 20 million two years ago. You just let him go. So it's a business thing. It's a business thing, but it's a really big bet. Because um, there right now Roma is competing again with um, Inter and Lazio for a Champions League spot. But I think that Lazio will have that, that spot at the end of the of the league, so we'll have to fight against Inter. And Jacob was the only one who scored 
Now they will bet on Patrick Schick. They spent 40 millions on him. <laughs> yes, it's... He's a, good, but... <laughs> yeah, it's good, but uh, I mean, it's a, it's a bet that you can take at the beginning of the season, not yeah. during the season, and you have to play in Champions League. And I really thought that Roma was kind of, now say I will compare them to Liverpool, some kind of crazy team that compete in Champions League that if got the a good draw, can get whatever he wants. So it's a, it's a really big deal now. Yeah, I mean... So they just have Patrick Schick to replace him. Then they don't. They don't have. I mean, if they get that forty million, they're not thinking hey, about they, any they, other they, options. They need. They need that money because they got a settle agreement with UEFA. So they need forty millions for this. Uh, I don't know. You call it uh, economical year for. Yeah. Uh, so well. they need the money in order to not sell uh, anyone else on the summer window. Because before Jaco, there was talking about Strootman, then on Alisson, then on Nangolan. Before Jaco was Emerson. And I really think that they Roma tried to put Jaco in the Emerson deal in order to get all the money. Because I don't think that on the other phase, on the other case, Chelsea would pay 40 million for Jaco. It's out of. Uh, so it'd be 40 million for both. Yeah. Uh, I think for both, it's more like 65 million, if I don't get wrong. Oh Roma! And, oh and Chelsea! And Chelsea wants oh, football. <laughs> Chelsea wants uh, Peter Crouch on loan, right? Yeah, I mean Edin Dzeko's well, Edin Dzeko's definitely a, an improvement on targeting Peter Crouch and Ashley Barnes. <laughs> but if you're going to be paying forty million for him, and as Andrea yeah. said, he turns thirty-two in two months, yeah. it might not be the best long-term deal. <laughs> uh, Rafinha has joined Inter. Yeah, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. I don't think he will stay longer than six months. What? No, I don't think so. Because uh, it's not a loan deal, though. It's a permanent deal, right? No, it's a loan deal. Oh, it's a loan deal. Oh, my apologies. With an yeah. option. With an option with thirty-eight millions, I think. Uh, Barcelona at first one just to uh, send him on loan. Mm-hmm. Then Inter got this kind of deal. I think that it will be good because uh, just like in all the Barcelona players alone, they will try to convince the team that they are good enough to play in Barcelona so he will have to and prove. he has he yeah. has what it yeah, takes it, to show that I mean yeah. he had some incredible stats when he was playing regularly yeah. he's, he's a hell of a tw- player 24 right I think so I think he's 24 he'll play regularly for Inter won't he uh, yeah I think the the duel will be between Candreva and I think that uh, Rafinha is much better than, uh, than Kandreva. Yeah. Okay, the last time we talked, Gattuso had just taken <laughs> over at Milan. <laughs> yeah. How's that working out? Going well? At the beginning, not. It was terrible. <laughs> but, but, no. Uh, I mean, it, it told uh, probably in the last uh, um, press conference that he, if he had, hadn't won the derby in Coppa Italia, he should got be fired. Oh, really? Yeah. It's okay. A, and it was the um, the common sense, the the feeling that it was it was like this. Now, Milan won two games in a row for the first time since the last September. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Milan! Wow. That's worrying. Yeah. They, but uh, right now is a positive moment. They got uh, three wins and a draw in the last five matches, but the only loss came against Atalanta. That was the only big team that they played against. The next month will be crucial. Because okay. they got um, the semi-final capital against Lazio. They will play against Lazio, Sampdoria, Udinese, Roma and Inter. <sighs> oh, wow. That's a bad and, month. <laughs> and 
in the uh, Europa League against Ludogorets. Okay. I think that the next month would be crucial for for every for everybody uh, for for Gattuso, for the for the players, for the team, for the um, for the board because they will understand how many money will we have, uh, how many we are we going to Champions League to Europa League? We're we not going to play in Europa at all. So that's all. What's Milan focusing on? <sighs> the beginning was Champions League survival. Yeah, I mean. Right now, all the all the doors are still open because you can go direct in the Europa League on, on arriving fifth or sixth place in the league. You can win Coppa Italia. You can even go into Champions League winning uh, Europa League. Mm. I don't think so. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't believe it. But and after spending so much last year, if they don't make the Champions League and get that money, is there going to be a lot of sales next summer? Two at least. Okay. Yeah. And Gattuso, will he be there next summer? It depends on the... Of it depends the, on this next one. Yeah. Okay, final question we have then for you is, when is Mario Balotelli joining Juventus? I hope as soon as he can. He's <laughs> <laughs> the, the best transfer news that I, that I ever <laughs> No, No, really, thinking Balotelli going as a free agent to Juventus is unbelievable. <laughs> I might be in the minority, but I actually quite like Mario Balotelli. Yeah. No, me too. I Definitely. Like him, I like him too, but... Yeah. Maybe not on your team. Ah, we had it on our team. Oh, that's true. You did have them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, well, that's all from us today. My thanks to Emily, Andrea, Lewis, and producer Damo. And thanks to you for listening. Mm-hmm.